realize every day how much I don't understand. It just every day. That's true. Him. I just there's just things I just don't understand. I can't comprehend. And one of the biggest things I can't understand is why people hate this nation, especially the ones that live here. I understand we're imperfect. This church is imperfect because we're made up of imperfect people. This nation is imperfect because we're made up of imperfect people. But my goodness, what a wonderful nation God has blessed us to live in. The freedom, the abundance, the beauty, the people. And I think we just sometimes take it all for granted. And so this morning, as we receive this morning's tithes and offerings, I just want us to be in a a time of, of realizing. You know, on our worst day in the United States of America, especially in Nebraska, on our worst day, it's probably better than most days that some people ever live in other nations. And we can't allow ourselves to take that for granted. And we have to continue to fight for what we have and be thankful. Oh, Father God, we are so thankful that you have blessed us exceedingly, abundantly beyond what we can even comprehend. And we just bring our tithes and offerings in an attitude of thanksgiving, Father God, and say, your will be done, your kingdom come, in Jesus' name. As you, after the service, please, everyone that's here, you're invited to come eat with us and experience abundance. (laughs) Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. this whole COVID thing started, you know, in the early part of this year, God really put upon my heart and impressed upon me to prepare us for the days ahead. 
And uh, that's why we started this series, Prepare, Proceed, and Possess. And uh, the scripture that, that just stood out to me, and I, I guess this has been our text all these months, is in Joshua 1, and it's so good. I want to read it to you. I know you hear it. When I went to Bible school, they would go over and over and over and over and over and over and over the same thing. Well, we should be no different. We need to hear it. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of what? Good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it every Sunday. Day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous Then you will have good success. Once more, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We've been on this a long time, and I don't have the slide, but let me read to you. This is the purpose of the series this year, and we're coming to a close, and I'm probably going to close it down. We're going to go here in the days ahead We're going to, Kathy and I are going to teach you the basic doctrines of the church in the days ahead. We're going to go back and look at just the basics. You know, we need that. But this was the the seven points that I wanted you to see. And this is where the church is right now. Not just this church, but the body of Christ. Number one, we need to recognize and embrace a new season. We're in a new season. We're not going into a new season. We're in it. Number two, we must each take personal responsibility to prepare ourselves. What's out of order, get your life in order. Amen? Number three, it will take courage and obedience. And that that's where we're at today. Um, I'll stop there because we'll go through the next the next four another time. The central truth was this. It takes courage and obedience to possess your inheritance. The church's spiritual inheritance is found in Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. That's where we're at. Ask of me and I will give you the what? Plural. Nations. For your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this hour must wake up, rise up, and take back everything that the devil has stolen. That's where we're at right now. Now let me review quickly. 
Um, I'm going to play a, a short 11-minute video for you, and I'll set that up. But we're talking about courage and obedience. In the last couple of weeks, we gave you the scripture in Daniel 7:18. It says, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. In the days ahead, it's going to take courage and boldness to possess the kingdom of God. There are too many people sitting on the sidelines waiting, and I don't know what they're waiting for. A burning bush? I don't know. The prophets, the apostles have been speaking for the last few years, especially this year, what's happening. And you can sit on the sidelines And I can sit on the sidelines, but I made a decision a long time ago, years ago, I'm not going to warm the bench. And I will not pastor a church of bench warmers. We're called to possess the kingdom of God. We need to get our, you know... Orders from headquarters. And then do what God's called us to do as a church. Genesis 22, 17 says, Your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Possess means to seize, to acquire, to lay hold of, to catch, and to grasp. The advance of God's kingdom is the result of of not just being courage and being bold, of being courageous and bold, but it's the result of praying and preaching and pressing in or forcing your way in. It's an attitude. Years ago, and I, I regret this. How many have ever made a mistake? We were to fish fry in Silver Creek. Her folks took us. It was at the Legion Club. Well, we ate, it was pretty good. So I just got back up, got my empty plate, and went and got in line. But I didn't realize I'd cut in the line. And there were a bunch of old women there. And I got the look of a lifetime. And I just, I didn't realize what, I was just forcing my way in, pressing in to get my seconds. Yes, it was insensitive. And, I, you know, it wasn't that I was being, trying to be rude or going out of my way. I just was concentrating. I wanted some more fish. And I got back to the table I'll move on. But it's an attitude. We've got to to develop an attitude in the days ahead as the body of Christ that we're not going to sit on the sidelines. We're going to do what God's called us to do, no matter the cost. Say, I have an attitude. I want a pastor. You know, I'll be honest with you. I've always loved... The, well, I love my in-laws, but I've always loved the outlaws. I've always had something in my heart for rebels. I married one. I didn't know she was one till I married her. Next day I woke up, I realized I married a rebel. What, what do you mean by a rebel? And one that's just not going to sit on the sidelines. She, when she played collegiate volleyball, she played to win. I married a winner. I didn't grow up that way. I always had a pathetic excuse to quit whatever I started. 
and I'm not that way anymore. I'm not a quitter. I, I wouldn't be here today if I was a quitter. Say, I'm not a quitter. We also learn the kingdom of God is not external or physical, but what is it? It's spiritual. You receive the kingdom of God when you're born again and you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior. The king of the kingdom comes to reside in your spirit, in your body. We said a spiritual rebirth is required to enter God's kingdom. We said repentance or a complete radical and total change is necessary. Then we said the kingdom of God comes first. Say it with me. The kingdom of God comes first. And that's where the church is at right now. Because if you're serious about doing great things for God and the kingdom of God, you're going to have to put yourself and your desires on the back burner. And this is what's going to separate the bench warmers in the days ahead, to those that want to play the game. His kingdom comes first. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We said, it's not just a religious thing you say when you say the Lord's Prayer. Some denominations say it. I grew up saying that in the Methodist church. You know, and you just say it to say it. But when you really mean it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, is, as it is in heaven. It's a divine declaration coming from your spirit saying, God, I'm under your rule. Now, let's go on. And this is, this is really important. Um, look at Matthew 20. And I, w- I want to emphasize this. I know we, we're talking about boldness and courage, and that's what it's going to take for the church in the days ahead. But I'm going to give you a very, very, very important point this morning that you've got to get, that I've got to get, and not forget it. In Matthew 20... Look at verse 28. Matthew 20, verse 28. Well, I'll start with 24. It says, when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers because they were vying for position. They want to know where they were going to sit in the kingdom of God. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your what? Let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now, this is what I want you to see. This is this is Jesus. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Look at Matthew 18. Are you getting the picture about Jesus? Yeah, he's a king. And we will always bow our knee. To King Jesus. But there's also another side to God. 
And that is of service. Matthew 18 and verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of God? Heaven. <laughs> you know, they're thinking, I want, I want to sit at his right hand. And you know how their minds are going. Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. The kingdom of heaven requires childlike humility. Say humility. And a servant's heart. What's humility? What's humble mean? This is what humble means. It means to take the low road. To make yourself low. To be devoid of arrogance. A person who is willingly submitted. That's what the church needs in this hour. Submitted, humble people. I said this and some preachers, I'm sure, are saying it. The church, the day of the mega church, I think, is coming to a close. I've said this and I firmly believe there are churches like ours throughout this nation with no name preachers. Who maybe aren't quite as charismatic. We're not charismatic. We're not here to tickle your ears. We're to here to tell you the truth and preach the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And I'll tell you what, in the days ahead, you're going to see the Spirit of God be poured out on churches like this. And people like you. The day of the big Hollywood preacher. I quit watching Christian TV a long time ago, but now I'm back on, on um, YouTube. Because I found a few that haven't bowed their knees. To this world and what the world can offer. In fact, we're going next week to see one. His name is Jeremiah Johnson. He's a prophet. I encourage you. His sermons are long, but they're meaty. Look at John 13. John 13. I want you to be bold and, bold and courageous. I almost said bold and courageous. Bold you hear that, Sandy? She said, I'm bald. Now I'm just going to have to pull myself up by my bootstraps and move on with this message. John 13, verse 12. Here again, it's my Jesus and it's your Jesus. This is where he washes the disciples' feet. So when he'd washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example. Say that an example that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Now, listen, I want you to catch this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, listen to this, because I know this is what the Spirit of God, I, as I was reading this, just was impressed upon my heart and I wrote it down. You're not blessed by knowing about servanthood, but by demonstrating servanthood. And there are Christians and churches all over that, oh, yes, you know, servanthood, servanthood, servanthood. And they, they know it's in the Bible and Jesus was a servant and we're supposed to be servants, but they're not demonstrating it. Do you want do you know what night to shine is? It's a demonstration of servanthood. I watch Gunner when he's here. He has so much fun. You had the same buddy every every year pretty much. That's the epitome of servanthood. These people come in there. God loves them. In fact, I had a phone call and I had to tell the individual we weren't having it. You, you could have heard a pin drop. And it's, it's a shame we can't, but, you know, what do you do? But that's servanthood. And I'll tell you what, the smile on my Jesus' face when he sees this event going on worldwide... Do you know how that touches the heart of God? That is the heart of God. Because God is a servant. You're not blessed by knowing about servanthood. But by demonstrating servanthood. Now find your find Acts chapter two. And then I'm going to start this video here. Let me give you a a little bit of a setup here for the video. Because when I'm done with the video, I'll close with this scripture. It's an 11-minute video, so don't sit there and think, oh, how long is this going to be? It's 11 minutes, I'm telling you. You can endure 11 minutes, right? Because you're bold and courageous, and you're hungry for God. I've been on this kick, and I shouldn't watch this, Ron. You'll get this. I grew up with Rodney Dangerfield and Don Rickles and Jonathan Winters. Some of you don't know these people. And I've been listening to Don Rickles, and I just like that kind of humor. I'd like to be that way on Sunday morning, but I can't. I just hope he's in heaven. <laughs> he's a Jew. Many of them were Jews. Those Jews, Jewish comedians live to be a long time. Now, this young man, oh, his name, Tommy. A Romy or Tommy a Romy, he'd probably hate that. I said it that way. It's it's I can't pronounce it. It's A R A Y O M I. He's from Zimbabwe. He has a he, twin brother, and when he was fifteen years old, it, it show, it'll show a picture of the two of them there. I must be identical twins. They were in a movement in Zimbabwe, and I mean they were hungry for God. And he and his friend Crispus were at Crispus's house. 
And they were talking about the things of God, hungry about the things of God. And the, the power of God hit these two young men. He would have been about 15, and they hit the floor. And what happened was, God took him to heaven. And he had an experience. And this is his experience. Now, listen up. It's, you got to pay attention because he's hard to understand. But my prayer is this, that you'll get the, get the message behind of what he experienced. Many of you know that I was 15 years old when God found me and only 16 when I started ministry. What I've never shared publicly is the day I went from being saved to serving Him in just one year. From a kid born with asthma, rickets and a huge public confidence issue to full-time ministry. When I was in my teens, I had this group of Zimbabwean friends who all came to the Lord through a house fellowship my twin brother and I had set up. We were young, but a small fellowship of Zimbabweans gathering to pray in my parents' garage conversion fast became a large community of Jesus-loving South Antonians from all races, colors, and backgrounds from all over Essex. One day, I was in the house of one of my closest friends called Crispin. He was a humongous guy with an even bigger heart. We were in his house talking about Jesus. At that time, I wasn't the greatest preacher by a long stretch of the imagination, but we loved God, and we were just talking about how awesome he is. And that's when it happened. For the first time ever, I understood the cross, not just the religious message. I mean, God literally opened my eyes to see exactly why Jesus died for me. As I'm sharing this with my friend Crispin, uh, I'm literally having this outer body experience where I'm mentally taking notes whilst I'm talking to him. I don't think he knew at the time that whilst I was sharing, I was just as amazed at what was coming out of my mouth as he was, and I was hearing it for the first time too. All of a sudden, a power I never felt before just swept into that living room. It's like, almost like that feeling you get when you're listening to old Mariah Carey and she hits that, that note that makes all your hair stand on end, only this time my hair's just never relaxed. We both just hit the floor and I was knocked out cold. I don't remember much after that because all of a sudden I was shot up through the ceiling, through the sky, through the stars, and I fell upwards and I landed on this floor like, like, wow. And I look up and I'm not in Crispin's house anymore. I'm in this huge hall of just pure light. There were people from every nation, every color, every tribe, each one singing, 
chanting and dressed in their native country colors. There was a huge banqueting table that disappeared into the distance of this, this hall of brilliant light. Millions of people talking <laughs> to your eardrums were vibrating under the torrent of their voices. I knew I was in heaven and that we were at the Lord's Supper. One of the butlers came and helped me find my chair and there was food just pouring out of the kitchen. So much so that when food bowls were empty, butlers would just come and fill the bowls just as quickly as they were empty. I was amazed at the number of people, the joy, the exuberance, the excellence. And I didn't know how long I would be there, so I ate no food, I drank nothing. In haste, I motioned to the man on my right, and I said, excuse me, have you seen Jesus? I was frantic to find him, because for some reason I knew in myself that wherever I was, I may not be there for a long time. I remember looking in the center of the table, thinking to myself that, you know, those disciples said, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand at your supper? So maybe he's in the middle somewhere. And I could not find him. The man said to me, I don't know where he is. And he just continued to eat. I asked one of the brothers, excuse me, have you seen him? I'm, I'm, I'm looking for Jesus. Before the words could leave my mouth, somebody tapped me. And they said, are you looking for Jesus? I said, yes. He said, he's over there. He pointed at the kitchen. And all of a sudden, out comes this butler, dressed like all the other ones, with food on a tray. He carries it to the table. He then walks up to me. The moment he approaches me, his stained clothing becomes white and his face becomes pure, brilliant light. So pure, I couldn't even look at him. I felt deeply uncomfortable. Not because of the brilliance of the light that was coming from him, but that I was sitting at the table and the master of the ceremony was serving me food. He was always there. But I just never thought to look in the kitchen because it's the last place I was expecting him to be. He grabbed me, just put my teenage face like a like a vice in his hands, like a father does to his child. And I just remember seeing these beautiful brown eyes looking right into my soul. And he said, son, do you see what I'm doing? <laughs> I stammered and I said, yes, Lord, I, I see. <laughs> With a tear in his eye, conviction in his voice, he looked right into my eyes and he said, go back and do that 
for my people. He pushed my head back and then I opened my eyes. The next thing I knew, I was on the floor and I saw this big guy standing over me. It was Crispin, my friend. I completely lost all track of time. He just looked over me and said, dude, what happened? You were out for ages. Crispin, I just saw Jesus dressed as a butler serving me food. <laughs> he looked at me like I'd hit my head on the coffee table on my way down. I sat up completely weak like I had traveled to the other side of the world. He helped me to a chair and I grabbed my Bible. My fingers caught in between a page as I reached for it. I just felt this deep need to look at the page it had landed on. It was like there was a, a voice telling me, just look at it, look at it. So, so as when I sat down, I flipped over the page and right there, this scripture just popped out of the page and I screamed and I jumped out of my chair and my I just remember my eyes being filled with tears and Crispin was like, gosh, must have been a hard fall. I read that scripture and it said this, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at his table and will come and wait on them. That's when I knew that I had gone to heaven. The greatest mastery is not mastering the prophetic or the pastoral. It's mastering service. I learned more in that one encounter than in any Bible seminary. You can't unsee Jesus dressed as a butler serving you food. There are moments that change your life forever. And that day, a 16-year-old boy met his master, still serving after the cross, just like he served before the cross. And people ask me, what's my calling? You're a prophet. Prophesy to me. I simply say, you are called to live the Christian life. That means... Before you're a prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, Christian businessman, or a politician, you're a servant. A servant doesn't ask for a job description. They, they, they see a need and they serve. Everything else is just a supernatural grace there to help you serve God naturally. When you understand service, you'll understand calling because life itself is constantly calling out for servants. So how did I go from being saved at 15 to serving all over the world at 16? I saw Jesus dressed as a butler serving me food. Amen. Yes, we're called to be bold and strong and courageous.
But the bottom line is we're called to serve. No matter your background, your education, your job description, if you and I would wake up in the morning with a heart's attitude, I'm just going to serve today. You'd see, we'd see some miraculous things happen. Look at Acts chapter 2 and I'll close with this. This jumped out at me as I read this. This is Peter's sermon in verse 14. You know, I know, I know um, through the years I have a reputation of being blunt and bold. But blunt and bold people cry. They do. I don't know, that just touched my heart. But Peter, standing up, verse 14, with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and heed my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and we quote this, and you hear this sermon quoted a lot. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out all of my will pour out of my spirit on what? The fivefold ministry. No, all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, this is the verse I want you to see, because this is what just stood out to me. And on my what? Men's servants, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God is going to pour out his spirit on servants. Let sit and meditate on that. I've read that scripture for years, but to me it just jumped out at me. God is going to pour out his spirit, yes, on all flesh, but he's going to pour out his spirit on people who know how to serve. Servant in the Greek, I looked it up, is translated slave or servant. And often the service is voluntary in which a person willingly offers obedience, devotion, and loyalty to another. Then I found this. This is the best definition of a servant that I've ever heard. One whose will is completely swallowed up in the will of another. One whose will is completely swallowed up in the will of another. Didn't he pray not my will, but your will be done. This is the devotional. I don't know if you get this devotional. If you go to church here, you should. You need to get it because it's a powerful devotional. I give it a lot. I give it out to people that don't come to church here just because it's really a good way to witness. But this was Thursday's October 8. As my father has sent me, so I send you. 
It's entitled, What You Weren't Sent to Do. Jesus said, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. Notice it's about how God wants us to share the gospel, not the rules, regulation, and regulations and dictates of various denominations. Understand this, number one, we were sent to serve, not to be served. The Son came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life as a ransom. Ever notice that we are the last, to, when we are the last to be served at a restaurant, we get angry? <laughs> it's just, I've never done that. We think we deserve better, but in God's kingdom, the power is at the bottom, and it's from there Christ governs and conquers. We must come to the end of ourselves. That's where the church is at right now. We don't represent Jesus unless we are willing to put on the apron of humility and wash our brother's feet, even if his name happens to be Judas. We were sent to do God's will, not our own. Jesus, listen to me, young people, listen to this. Jesus said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. When we're young and people inquire about our plans for life, we sometimes say, I'd like to be a doctor or a teacher or a nurse. But we really need to add the Lord willing, because unless he's in it, you're on your own. Choosing the wrong occupation will put you in the wrong place with the wrong people, and consequently, everything in your life will be wrong. John said, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives or abides forever. To miss God's will is to miss the purpose to which you were born. Don't let that happen to you. So, this morning, in conclusion, number one, we must come to the end of ourselves. We don't represent Jesus unless we're willing to put on the apron of humility and wash our brother's feet, even if his name happens to be Judas. Number two, in God's kingdom, the power is at the bottom, and it's from there that Christ governs. Number three, you're not blessed by knowing about servanthood, but by demonstrating servanthood. And number four, Is your will completely swallowed up in the will of God? And finally, number five, and on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We're in those days. This kind of message is one that really makes you think. It helps you to do an inventory on your heart, where you're at in life, what you're called to do. If people say, well, you know, do you know God's will for your life? Well, if you know that you're called to be a servant, that's enough, because if you'll adopt that kind of attitude, everything else will follow suit. Let's stand up this morning. There'll be services where we jump up and down and scream and shout and hang from the fan blades or whatever.
We need those kind of services too. I came in last night, and there were the coders. Started on Friday, preparing meat. I came back last night thinking they'd be gone. They weren't. They were still here, and I said, well, aren't you done? Well, we'll be here all night. They were here all night making sure the ribs got on at the right time. Sleeping on a heart, so I went home, got them packing blankets, so at least they'd have something to lay down on. Well, the guys did, and the granddaughter did. And I said, you know, God bless you for that. And he says, well, we just like to do it. What is that? Service. Anybody else, would be, they'd be griping and complaining, but it's their passion. It's, like they want to, it's what they like to do. Micah, you like your guns. You have a passion to do that. Just remember to, to have that attitude of a servant, especially when mom and dad are fumbling and we're not doing well. <laughs> not as fast on the draw as we should be. Father, today I bless this people. They're your people. They leave today with anything. Help them remember. Jesus dresses as a butler. And help us, Holy Spirit, have that mindset every day when we wake up. I thank you, Lord God. Our mission statement from the beginning was a people committed to serving and sharing Jesus Christ. Let us continue to do that with the right heart's attitude. I bless this people, Lord, and bless their service. And anoint them in the days ahead to serve supernaturally and to be led by the Spirit of God as they serve. We thank you, Father. Now look at me, and I want you to look back. Go like this. Look, at your, look back. Okay, now look at me. Surely goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy is following you. Don't ever forget that. He's a good God. And he's pouring out his spirit on servants. Amen. Well, Father, I blessed the food we're about to receive. There's a lot of it. <laughs> Give us a couple minutes to, to get ready. But we call this food blessed in the name of Jesus. Our fellowship blessed in the name of Jesus. All the service blessed in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Amen. Talk amongst yourself now.